You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. You are now jacked into the virtual matrix. Please stand by. Who are you? For the latest in professional wrestling. I am the master of the middle finger. Video gaming. Chief ass whoopers, sorry sons of bitches. And movie and entertainment. Beer drinker among beer drinkers. And here is your host. All I'm offering is the truth. Nothing more. JJ Sexy. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Unplugged with JJ Sexay. Of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay. And I just felt like rocking out to a little bit of pan, uh, a little bit of Pantera tonight. Respect. Walk. That's what I'm talking about. Respect, ladies and gentlemen. But again, welcome to Unplugged on this Friday, December 3rd. 2010, the first unplugged of the month of December. As Christmas is coming our way soon enough, interesting things are happening on the SNS radio network. They're happening on Unplugged, and they're certainly happening on Friday Night SmackDown. You know, I had planned tonight on this broadcast to do a tribute to Swagger's Soaring Eagle. Yeah, we were going to have the best damn tribute in the world for a bird that really made the difference to me on the SmackDown brand. And I thought that the rumors going around, you know, Hornswoggle had killed the Swagger Soaring Eagle. And it was just a case of the WWE once again flipping the bird to the IWC, no pun intended, of course, Bringing back Swagger Soaring Eagle, but we'll get into that in just a little bit, and I'll tell you exactly what happened with Swagger's Soaring Eagle and, of course, that nasty little troll, Hornswoggle. But with that said, let's jump right in 
to the SmackDown recap right here on Unplugged. Time for the SmackDown Rebound with J.J. Sexton. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love that theme music. I think that, uh, and granted, I wasn't a big fan of, of Green Day having that music to begin with. I mean, I when you think about it, in the history of SmackDown, I don't know how many theme songs they've had, but I was always akin to uh, the beautiful people for the SmackDown theme song. Uh, I liked the one that Drowning Pool had a few years ago. I think it was what, uh, Step Up or something. I I mean, they have gone through a lot of different music. The last one that they had before this new one, I wasn't too keen on. But uh, I do like this new theme music, of course, for Friday Night SmackDown. Oh, excuse me. It's been a long day. My throat is uh, bothering me. So if my voice sounds a little different, I do apologize. Uh, so we go to the SmackDown rebound. Opening up the show, we had uh, Rey Mysterio coming out and basically climbing the ladder as there were tables and chairs uh, strewn about everywhere on the entranceway. And uh, he basically challenges Alberto Del Rio to a ladder match at this Sunday, or excuse me, at uh, TLC coming up. I believe December 19th, if I'm not mistaken. Alberto comes down. Uh, of course, Ray and Del Rio start fighting. Uh, he actually puts, does Ray Mysterio, puts Alberto Del Rio through a table. So that was a good little setup for their ladder match. Uh, being advertised for TLC coming up December 19th. Next up, we have Dolph Ziggler. And Drew McIntyre taking on the team of Caval and Montel Vontavious Porter. And I got to be honest, I actually enjoyed seeing Caval and MVP work together as a tag team. Uh, unfortunately, for those of you not in the know, and we'll, we'll tackle this in a few moments when uh, Chris Kelly of Headlocks to Headlines, or from Headlocks to Headlines.com, joins the show to discuss the news. But uh, the big news coming out this week MVP has asked for his release from the WWE. He's been released, so tonight was the last night you're going to see MVP on SmackDown or anything else WWE-related, uh, at least for a long time, if ever. Uh, again, good match, good back and forth. The finish came when Dolph hit the zigzag on Caval and got the win. So, um, like I said, very enjoyable match to start SmackDown off. Next up, uh, right after that match is over with, believe it or not, Kane's music hits. So the big red monster comes down to the ring and basically destroys MVP and Caval with choke slams. I know. Way to go on MVP's night out, right? It happens. 
So Edge shows up on the screen with Paul Bearer, says he's in the loading dock. Kane runs to the back and finds them. He sees them, he runs after them. There was a, a lot of confusing stuff backstage. Is, uh, there, there's two things that I want to kind of bring to everybody's attention. Is it just me, or does Kane run horribly? I mean, I'm talking slow and horribly. You're telling me that Edge, pushing a fat man in a wheelchair, guy that probably weighs about 350 pounds, and he's obviously exerting the effort to push Paul Bearer and running with him, and you're telling me that Kane can't run down the hallways and catch up with these guys? So we see a series of uh, near fatality incidents to these fake Paul Bearers in wheelchairs. Um, <laughs> a bunch of equipment falls on top of the first fake Paul Bearer. Uh, of course, then we see Edge running again with, with Paul Bearer. Uh, this time, it looks like he throws Paul Bearer down the stairs. Kane runs down the stairs, realizes, okay, yep, here's another mannequin dummy. I've been duped yet again. Now, I understand they're trying to build for a TLC match in a few weeks, which will be my second point of contention when we get to the main event for SmackDown tonight. But seriously, I hope and pray that after this TLC that we are done with Kane and Edge and all the stupidity going into this. I don't find what Edge is doing to Kane entertaining. I really feel like they have dropped the ball with this feud, and I personally just want to see it go away. I mean, the whole thing with him doing the dummies of Paul Bearer and Kane being stupid enough to fall for him, even last week when Edge actually ran over a wheelchair and the dummy was destroyed, I mean, come on. Is this the best that creative could come up with? Well, since they fired a bunch of writers, maybe. Maybe it is. Uh, so next up, we have match of the night, bottom line. Uh, Kofi Kingston taking on Jack Swagger. For those of you not in the know, they've had quite the rivalry lately. Even uh, a qualifier, I believe, last week for the King of the Ring. Uh, a good match last week, but this one took the cake. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat watching Kofi and Jack Swagger. There were so many points in that match that you thought you were going to have a near fall. Um, but the end came down when Kofi hits the Trouble in Paradise uh, from the outside to Jack Swagger, who was coming out of the ring, and uh, Kofi makes the pin for the one, two, three. And uh, wow is all I can say. I mean, a lot of people like to rag on Kofi. He is kind of a spot monkey. But uh, you got to give it to Kingston tonight. I thought he brought it, and I thought Swagger looked great in a lot of his offense, his defense. So uh, match of the night for me would have to be Kofi Kingston and Jack Swagger. Again, Kofi goes over. Next up, we see another segment where Kane chases down, uh, down Edge and Paul Bear. Again, getting kind of tired of this. So next up, we have uh, Layla, who is accompanied to the ring by Michelle McCool taking on Rosa Mendez. It's one of the first times I've actually seen Rosa Mendez in a match in a while. Um, so basically, Layla wins this match by squashing Mendez. But here's where things got interesting. Hornswoggle runs out, and of course, Laycole start clowning around on him, which I thought was great. Uh, they both got down on their hands and knees and dosy doed around Hornswoggle, who just kind of stood there uh, befuddled and looking stupid. 
So, <laughs> Swagger Soaring Eagle makes his return after a near-death experience as he was pointing to uh, his tail feathers. Apparently, he was shot in the buttocks by Hornswoggle. So, he was not Thanksgiving turkey for everybody last week on SmackDown. So, uh, Swagger Soaring Eagle gets in the ring. Hornswoggle actually grabs the ropes and performs his best impersonation of the Ultimate Warrior by basically uh, tugging on the ropes. And uh, he basically runs toward the eagle, who then, <laughs> who then applies a big boot to Hornswoggle in a segment that I found absolutely hilarious. Uh, Beth Phoenix comes down, and I, I guess she had gotten rid of Lako before all this had happened, but Beth Phoenix is standing in the ring while this is going on and uh, decides to do the glam slam to the Swagger Soaring Eagle, tells Hornswoggle to go up to the top for the Tadpole Splash. Uh, the thing that's really noticeable about this is as a Swagger Soaring Eagle is down on the mat getting set up for the Tadpole Splash, both of his legs are in the air just like a dead bird. And then, of course, Horny hits the, uh, the Tadpole Splash, and that segment is over. The interesting thing here, too, after this segment is done, is that Hornswoggle's trying to get... Beth Phoenix to do her uh, her glamazon pose, so which basically she puts her her hands above her head like she has a crown, right? Well, the problem was that Hornswoggle, and this wasn't very PG people. Hornswoggle was standing directly in front of her, so when she did it and he did it, it looked like he was literally cupping her breasts. Was it intentional? I think it was. Hornswoggle knows his women. Uh, so next out, we have our main event of the night. Uh, basically, Kane is ready for his match with Edge. Teddy Long basically reiterating the point to Kane that uh, the, TL the TLC stipulation is, in fact, on the line. I was not impressed with this match. At one point, Kane gets distracted by uh, Paul Bear, who's on the Titantron, basically calling to Kane, 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 come help me. Oh, Kane, Kane. Which basically Kane leaves the ring and almost gets counted out. He actually gets back in about, about around the nine count, uh, which basically sets Edge up to hit the spear, win the match, and uh, foregone conclusion. Did anybody think that Edge wasn't going to pick the TLC stipulation. I mean, not only is it his speciality, the pay-per-view is called TLC. How stupid do you think we are, WWE? Come on. I, I, I just, I, I found myself wondering why the hell they thought the need to make a stipulation when we all knew damn well that it was going to end up being a, a tables and ladders and chairs match. I mean, is anybody else out there with me on that? I, I just, I don't understand. Maybe I'm lost here. Maybe I'm just not catching something. But anyway, that was your uh, your SmackDown recap. As far as my rating for the show, um, I wouldn't say it was a, a fantastic show. I'm going to give it a C because, honestly, I'm tired. You know what? No, screw that. I will give it a B plus. I'll give it a B plus. Basically, on the fact that I really enjoyed Kofi Kingston, Jack Swagger. Everything else was kind of blah. I'll give it a B plus. I won't be totally cruel. So that's my grade. It did kind of set some things up 
for TLC in a couple weeks, obviously with Ray Alberto Del Rio. We know what's going to happen with, with Kane and Edge, which you'd have to be a blind man not to see it coming. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go, obviously with the Raw brand, for their uh, for what happens at TLC for them. So that that's, that's the build for SmackDown. Uh, with that said, uh, I'm going to go to the phone lines, and I believe joining me on the line, he is... Uh, the official news source for Unplugged and most other shows here on the SNS Radio Network, uh, Chris Kelly from Headlocks to Headlines. What's going on, Chris? Oh, man, not much. Just uh, chilling out. And do you know what? I agree with you. If anyone thought that Edge would choose anything apart from a TLC, they aren't that smart. Because... Well, yeah. I mean, okay. His speciality, tables, ladders, chairs. Who knew? Really? How many knows, times he... has he been involved in a match like that? Who knows? He he might pull out the epic chair match only. That would be an epic. Came out as an edge in a chairs only match. Well, no. I mean, let's face it. That's <laughs> going to happen. Yes, somebody on the card is going to have a chair match. Probably on the Raw brand. Somebody's going to have a table match. Probably on the Raw brand. But I think a table match is easier to pull than a chair match because then they can't do headshots anymore. A chair match will be quite limited in what they can do in it. That is true. But okay, yeah, as you said earlier, the big news of the week was MVP requesting his release from the WWE. Uh, he basically said on Twitter that he was tired of what was going down and felt it was time for him to leave the company. Um, and he said that he'd be interested in going to Japan. So, wow. and, and the backstage reaction wasn't surprised as MVP had, had been ask, asking for it for a long time. Well, now I'll say this. There's been a lot of talk for a while and... Uh, I, I will have to credit WrestleZone for this. They did break a story early October that one of the major SmackDown superstars was contemplating retirement. Mm. And uh, apparently they have backed that story by saying that all along it was uh, Montel Vontavious Porter, who in fact isn't interested in going to TNA at all and may actually retire from the business after his stint with the WWE. Well, on Twitter, like I just said, he did say that he wants to go to, to, uh, to Japan. Wrestle over there during his, his 90 day uh, no cut clause because uh, over there Japan wrestling is big and over there you, you, you can make money if you're talented and MVP as we said along he has talent he, he had potential he, his gimmick was just piss poor well I don't think his gimmick was piss poor I mean I'm going to be real honest and you know I, I know Trey is in chat and Trey and I have had numerous discussions about MVP on Wrestling News Live and I would have to agree with Trey I think Mainly, the reason that he's done with the company is ever since they went to this PG rating and Linda McMahon started running for a Senate position, uh, a guy who's a convicted felon who served time in prison and paid his due to, the, to society basically is, is looked upon as, uh, as someone that they don't want to put in a position uh, you know, high on their card, like a main event star, maybe a world champion. But uh, surely, if that's true then R-Truth shouldn't be where he is right now. R-Truth is, is basically pushing the top card with his with his, with his storyline with Nexus and John Cena. MVP can, can travel around the world. R-Truth can't get into Canada because of, because of his past. That is true. And, and I will give you absolute... Uh, you're right on that. I mean, and it kind of baffles me when you think about it. I think MVP is a better worker than Truth. Mm-hmm. And I thought he had a better gimmick than Truth. You know, no offense to Ron Killings. I think he's a great guy. But 
MVP when he first started with the company. What was it back in 05, 06? Yes. Uh, perfect gimmick for him. You know, he was the highest paid entertainer on the SmackDown brand was a storyline going in, right? Indeed. And uh, if you go back to, to, to this past week, watch SmackDown again and listen to the pop that MV, MVP got. It was humongous. He, he was so over. If you go back to Raw and R-Truth, the best thing to know about R-Truth is what's up. MVP up? was over with the crowd. No, MVP was very over with the crowd. And like I said, initially his first run, I mean, this is a guy that took on Kane like right after his debut. Um, you know, was burned in an Inferno match. Uh, had a strong run as the United States champion. Had a great feud with Matt Hardy. Was drafted to Raw. And at the point they drafted him to Raw back in, I believe it was 2009, Randy Orton was the WWE champion. And they pushed him into a program with Randy Orton where he confronted Orton on Raw. And I thought, okay, this is the push that MVP needed because he was on that long-term losing streak after he had all those health issues. And they and the, the, the line on that was the WWE, supposedly now, the WWE wanted to kind of keep him um, humble. They didn't want another Brock Lesnar thing. They wanted to make him a star, but at the same time, they wanted to kind of test the waters with him and see how much he would take and how long he would stick around. And he did endure that humiliating period where he did nothing but job. 22 weeks. 22 weeks. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and like, and like I said, they, they try and keep him humble, try and keep him thing. If, if I'd have moved PR, I would have quit ages ago because he's not had a decent push since that tag team with, with Matt Hardy. Well, you know what? I'm telling you, they dropped the ball. When they moved him to Raw, they had the perfect opportunity to have him run against Randy Orton and do something, and they dropped the ball so quickly it wasn't even funny because then they started drafting all the other big names over, and he got lost in the shuffle. I think it, I think their worst move was, was, actually, was actually turning him face. MVP was a much better heel than he is a face. Oh, I agree. The uh, the VIP lounge was very uh, was was a very good segment to have on uh, on SmackDown every week, especially when he ran down Michael Hayes. That was a that was a very enjoyable. That was right in the midst of his Matt Hardy feud. Big things popping, little things stopping. But and spe- oh, I'm gonna move on now. Speaking of stopping, apparently the Juan Cena gi- uh, gimmick is now might all might already be at an end um, at house shows. He's now being replaced by Edge. So this Juan Cena might now be over and might not make it to TV. Ha, pendejo! Uh, I'm quite sad. I wanted to hear his song. I want to know if it would be the Mexican version of You Can't See Me. That's depressing. <laughs> a Mexican version of You Can't See Me. Yes, That's that would have been awesome. Now, speaking of uh, house shows and injuries, apparently Randy Orton has been removed from the upcoming house shows and live events due to a neck injury. Um, well, he's not expected to miss much time. He will miss some time. And that's why he was not on Raw this past week. Makes sense. I mean, you know, I read the reports on his injury. And I have had a similar injury to that in the past where my kneecap has shifted over to one side. Mm. And it was not a pleasant injury. Uh, I had to rehab it for a while. Uh, I, at one point in time, actually missed a lot of work because... Uh, I did it on the job, basically, and so I was sent home for about a month to recoup, and uh, I, I can totally understand an injury like that. Yeah, and I like I don't think WWE should like, rush him back, because if, if he'd rushed back, we've seen guys who've been brought back too early and got injured 
even worse. Um, according to the Figure 4 Weekly, WWE Creative had been told to come up with a new gimmick for a cage. The feeling, that, the feeling is that the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view or, and um, gimmick had run its course and they want a new gimmick uh, for next year's pay-per-view involving a cage. I would say Hell in a Cell probably has uh, run its course. I would even say Elimination Chamber has run the course. I'm sick of both of them. But what like idea would you possibly make of a cage match? Oh, what I'm a sh- cage idea. I'm sure their next idea will center around, and don't quote me on this, but with the popularity of UFC at an all-time high, it wouldn't surprise me to see them construct some type of UFC-type cage with a, with a top. Kind of like the old, uh, was it called uh, Lion's Dead that Lion's Den that they had? Yeah, something. I, I think something up. similar to that. Yeah, but bigger. Mm, that could work. Um, now there was a bit of speculation uh, this this past week that because the Miz won the WWE title, um, people were wondering if this was a long term plan. Because as you know, that um, MV, uh, sorry, the Miz is on the uh, SmackDown vs Raw front cover. Apparently, um, Miz winning the title w- was a last minute thing. And the reason that, that the Miz was put on the front cover of SVR was because he was the only wrestler that actually wanted to work the schedule of 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 promoting the game. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's a lot to do with it. The fact that he was so accessible and was so willing to put himself out there. Now, let's not forget, I think the Miz actually lives out in LA. So the fact that he was promoting the game at a lot of the uh, uh, the different cons in Los Angeles kind of helped out. That's why him and Eve were both doing it. Is because they're both from the uh, Los Angeles area. That's where they, they currently are living, basically. Um, but Miz is a guy that, again, I've said this many times, he's a company guy. He is John Cena 2.0. And so those of you that are sick of the Miz, don't like him, don't want him to do anything, you're going to have to endure the Miz because he is the second coming of John Cena. Yeah, and I and I do think that um, if you can do that comparison, if you compare the Miz now to when John Cena debuted, oh, I think the Miz will, if if booked correctly, could be a bigger star than Cena if used correctly. You know, call me crazy, but you're always looking for that rivalry in professional wrestling. You know, we had it with Michaels and Bret Hart. You had it with Hogan and Macho Man. You had it with Hogan and Warrior. You had it with Austin and Rock. Mark my words, in two or three years, it's going to be Miz Cena. I, I know at one you. point, didn't they? At one point, they wanted to have Ultimate to Cena be the, be the main feud for years to come, but that that's now become really stale, so they have to get new guys in. Guys like Shame as the Miz uh, will do this. You um, know, the only thing that, that I question when we talk about the Randy Orton injury is that means he might not be back for obviously TLC. In which case, who do you give the title shot to? Because you know Miz is going to defend that championship. Does, does Lawler get a second shot? I'm thinking Wade Barrett. I don't think so. I, think- I don't think so. If you give it to Wade Barrett, then you have to turn. Honestly, you would literally have to to make a play to turn Miz into a face. Uh, it depends because like Miz like, isn't actually a heel. He's very cocky. And that's why the fans boo him. And you could easily put Miz versus Barrett and have Cena run out and cost, cost Barrett the world title once again. So short term, it wouldn't actually affect uh, either status as Fatal Hill. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of people are up in arms over the Miz being the champ. And two weeks into his reign, everybody's like, oh, 
This is the worst title reign ever. It's not. I mean, I know you guys feel that way, but think about it. The Miz is a cowardly heel who is basically getting by how cowardly heels do with the help of his lackeys and announcers like Michael Cole. Is it really a bad thing? In the long term, I don't think it is. He's not going to be booked strong as the champion. Not in this run. There's no way. I don't don't think that they can actually, or or anyone can get judged that the Miz is great. It's been two weeks long. I don't think you can judge something as bad until until we lose it. Then we look back at his reign and see what he did in, in that reign. To judge him on two weeks isn't very clever. Well, I tell you what. If it were me booking... Oh, wait a second. I should put this in quotations. Fantasy booking coming through here. If it were me, and you can't have Randy Orton have a shot, then Mays has it right there in the chat. I would have to go with John Morrison in a tables, ladders, chair match with those two. Or Seamus. No, no, because then you have the double heel dynamic. You don't want that. You don't want two heels going after the belt. Mm. I don't I don't think Morrison's ready for that. Yet he would be a fantastic spot monkey in that in that ladder match. Yeah, or, but or, it, or. it would be a safe thing for for the Miz. Because you know he's not going to beat him. You see what I'm saying? So you you're It's kind a safe of, title defense, basically. So you know that Miz is gonna win, but you'd also be able to give Morrison a bit of push up the card. Yeah. He, you know, he would be challenging for the for the world uh, for the WWE championship against his former partner, who's now the world heavyweight champion, in a match that both of these guys would excel in. Uh, I mean, if Orton is out, that would be the way I would go. Mm. And you know what? That actually makes sense because Miz and Morrison never actually did a never actually had like a feud ending match. Did they? They wrestled one to bragging rights, but never actually ended the feud. Right. Uh, what else we got? Did you see the um? the announcement for NXT Season 4, the Rookies, the rookies, rookies and Pros? Uh, you know what? I did, actually. I, I, did, I, I ended up watching the last 30 minutes of the show. Uh, it, it airs on Wednesday nights here in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I did catch you know the last 30 minutes of the show. Some interesting rookies. I'm actually happy they're going back uh, to the male superstars, quite frankly. No offense to the Divas, but... Those first couple episodes for NXT Season 3 were just fucking god-awful. And I still think the one person won. I still think AJ Lee, or AJ, was the best girl on, on that show. She has that, that like, next girl-next-door look, and I think she'll be back very soon, be it on Raw, probably with Primo, because well, I think she can go in WWE quite far. Now, from what I've seen of AJ, yeah, she's, she's really good, but... I really think Naomi needed that more than anybody else. I mean, they're all going to have a contract, more than likely. But I think Naomi was more athletic and was better in the ring. Um, Caitlin basically was featured on SmackDown as the love toy to Dolph Ziggler and Vicky Guerrero. Um, did she really need to win that to continue what she's doing? Not really. I think Naomi uh, it was a slam dunk. I really think that uh, Naomi should have won that, and I feel bad that she didn't. Uh, of all the divas on NXT that I had seen, and I would usually catch clips on YouTube of matches, I'd have to say Naomi should have won that contest. I really believe that. Well, there's a match, I think it was two weeks ago, AJ Lee versus versus Naomi. And that was a really good match. Despite Cole and his partner ignoring it, it, it was a great match. 
And as you say, Naomi actually needed the storyline because you you, you got Caitlyn Caitlyn on SmackDown, you got AJ on Raw. What does what what now does Naomi have to, have to do to get on the roster? Well, like I said, being the final contestant, she'll probably just automatically be given a contract. That's usually how it works. Mm. Well, like looking at over these names of rookies for NXT season four, I think the one that I'm looking forward to seeing is Byron Saxton the former ECW announcer, to, to see how he does. Yeah, you know, I liked Byron Saxton a lot when he was on ECW. Uh, I thought he was doing great as a commentator. Now that I know that he's actually uh, a competitor, I want to see what he brings to the table. It, it really, it, to me, they are really trying to dig themselves out of a hole from this last season. I mean, when you look at the pros who are going to be attached to the rookies, in season four, it blows me away to think these guys are going to be involved in this. I, the only person I question would probably be R Truth, because yeah. I don't really count R Truth yet as a veteran or someone that could teach a, a younger wrestler how to wrestle. Yeah, that, that another rookie comes down to what's up. Or get crunk, and and I know Trey loves getting crunk. <laughs> um, what else we have? Apparently, oh, as you said last week, Joey Styles' contract is now up with WWE. Uh, he is free to do as he pleases, like do conventions, but he is still working on WWE.com. Yeah, so he, cool. he, uh, he actually put out a tweet and said that, uh, you know, a lot of people were questioning what he was going to do, but he's actually quite happy working, uh, you know, without a, a major contract. He wants to stay with the WWE, so we'll see where it leads. I mean, at least he has the option of not being under contract. He can go do what he wants. Which is cool. It means he can start doing indie dates if he wants or whatever. But, you know, good for him. Indeed. What else do we have? Um, we also have, apparently, WWE are looking at, ch- at changing the announce team for pay-per-views. Uh, apparently, Mr. Man is not high on Todd Grisham's uh, announce work. That's why he moved Michael Cole over to SmackDown. Um, and apparently, both Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler hate working with Matt Stryker since he talks too much. So it'd be interesting to see how they change about the announced team for the pay-per-view. You know what? If you're going to change the announced team for the pay-per-views, bring back Jim Ross and let him do pay-per-views. Well, apparently Vince McMahon only wants people that are on TV often to be on the pay-per-views, and if they're only going to do um, if they're only going to do JR pay-per-views, that would kind of defeat the purpose of Vince McMahon's idea. Yeah, I can see that, but at the same time. I think, you know, just seeing Jim Ross back on TV for the old school Monday Night Raw was a breath of fresh air. And he still has it. Why not let him utilize it once a month on pay-per-view? As far as Matt Stryker, he's in hot water with them as it is because, you know, did you watch Survivor Series when he kind of blew that one call? No, what was that? Uh, I missed that. Let me see. That was when, uh, oh, when it was the big one with Cena. When... Basically, Cena made the three count. He literally exclaimed, Cena's free. And Michael Cole had to like correct him and say, uh, no, Cena's fired. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was a big yeah. snafu with the WWE. So, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me they're going to take Stryker off. Uh, you know, Stryker can be a good commentator, but I think he's too goddamn cerebral sometimes. His stupid fucking, he does talk too much. I like the guy, but goddamn, he needs to calm it down. And he does bring out loads of random Wikipedia quotes and 
But then that WWE is like that nowadays saying, like example, um, the Kings never had a world title. As you know, that's all wrong. Um, what else do we have? Apparently, um, WWE are very high on CM Punk's work. And once his in-ring in days are over, they want him to return as an announcer full-time. And I think that would be a, a positive aspect of his career because I think he's doing a great job. Uh, I almost felt like they threw him to the Wolves on Monday night when basically Lawler was wrestling the match with The Miz and Cole went to interfere. Uh, it was awkward because doing one-man commentary, even doing a show by yourself like I do, you know, I'm glad that, that I have you come in and do the news. Every now and then Trey you know, comes aboard and wants to do something. I'll be real honest, people. Hosting a show by yourself, doing color commentary by yourself on a wrestling show is not the easiest thing to do, and it's very nerve-wracking. Um, but he just handled uh, it really well on Monday. Just ask Joe, Joey Styles. He knows what it's like to call a paper on his own. But, yeah, you are right. You could kind of tell Steve Punk was like, oh, there goes um, Cole into the ring. He just grabbed his leg. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. What's King punched about? him. Yeah, it was awkward, and I felt bad for Punk. But, you know, it's something that if he's going to be doing this job, uh, it's something he's going to have to get used to. Yeah, and, like, I think they said WrestleMania is, is, is his return date. So between now and WrestleMania, I, we all know that he will improve because that guy's a quick, le quick learner. And I I would like to see him, him either be a fully heel or fully face because, he, like, he keeps changing between both, if you notice on Raw. Like his heel and his face, heel and face. They they need to make one or the other. Oh right. Just because like I'm more, I prefer Punk as a heel. Just because like I'm better than you. That whole I'm better than you stuff. Right. That is my personal my personal personal preference. Spit it out, Curly. <laughs> See Come what I'm on, saying? Man. See what I'm saying? It, it it's all good, man. It's all good. Um. Um, I actually have got no other news right now. Um, so, you could talk a bit of video game news into our guest calls in. Um, you know what? Why don't we uh, do a little more in-depth discussion? Uh, I might just open the phone lines right now okay. and, and basically talk a little bit. I know some of the, the, the guys in the chat were talking about uh, MVP. A lot of people are upset that he's gone. And... I'm going to be real honest. I, I am upset to see him leave the WWE, but I kind of knew the writing was on the wall for him for a while. And going to the uh, live Raw that I attended here in uh, Calgary the night that Bret Hart was scheduled to appear on the broadcast, it kind of bothered me that MVP was utilized in, in such, a, such an awful way. I mean, he was basically brought out there and was what like the first person i think or the second person eliminated from the battle royal and as he's walking up the rampway it was like people were talking to him and he's like yeah you know it's just the way it is so i mean i've known for a while that that he's been you know on the outs he's a very vocal guy and obviously you know when you're in a situation like that sometimes your mouth gets the better of you and again i think mvp's only problem is the fact that he had a criminal record, and it was basically when Linda McMahon was uh, was running for Senate. And, you know, I mean, that's that's his downfall, in my opinion. But let's go to the phone lines. Uh, welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? TM Bronx, JJ. How you doing, man? I'm good, Bronx. What's on your mind? 
No, you know, I'm thinking. Um, everyone has seen that Linda is planning on, oh, God, kill me, running again in 2012. Now, what I'm wondering is, uh, am I correct that MVP asked himself for his release? He yes. did. He did. He did ask for his release. He was obviously not happy with the direction that his lack of a push was going. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't blame him for that. No, me neither. But what I'm wondering is, <laughs> you know, she made the announcement fairly recently that she was planning on running again in 2012. So it makes me wonder, did MVP say, shit, you know, if, if it is my background that caused this problem when she was running the first time, even though he wasn't really pushed too great before that, uh, maybe he's saying, I, I just can't deal with another two years of this crap. I mean, it's, from what I understand, and I don't know a lot about Japan wrestling, but I do know that uh, it's very popular, and I'm willing to bet you can make some damn good money if you can get over in Japan. Oh, I'm ab actually, absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually hoping he doesn't go to TNA because I think TNA has enough former WWE stars on their roster as it is. You know, maybe he can go out and do his own thing, and when Linda gets their ass handed to her again in 2012, maybe he'll uh, decide to re-up with the E. Who knows? Uh, you know what? That is a... That wouldn't surprise me if it does happen. It wouldn't surprise me if he does retire from the business. Uh, I mean, I personally, I don't think the guy is, is bad in the ring. Uh, I, I quite enjoyed his matches in the past. So, I don't know. I mean, if she is going to run again in 2012, then sure, that, that's obviously going to be a, a major factor against him. It was kind of a double-edged sword with him because, on one hand, he was considered a, a convicted felon who served his time, and just the fact that he was in the company uh, was looked upon as, you know, basically they've offered this guy a job after he served his time. And it look, it looks good, I guess, to some people that, yeah, you're willing to give a convicted felon a job. Because we all know that for most convicted felons, that's, that's not an easy thing is to get a job. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to put your major championships on a guy that was in prison for 10 years when you've got the former CEO of the company running for the Senate. So, you know, politics plays a role in everything. Absolutely. I mean, it, I'll just say this. It makes me think how the WWE would have dealt with Jeff Hardy had he stayed there and now all that shit with the drugs had gone down. What, I mean, look. He would have been stripped and thrown out in a second, especially when Linda announced that she was going to run. But me, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think if a guy serves his time and he's willing to work for a paycheck rather than go out and just do the same shit again and get arrested again, it's a good thing. But, you know, there's two sides to every coin. And I'm just shocked. That, and after I say this, I'll, I'll hang up. That a guy like Vince you would think in real life would kind of be the dominant one of that couple. Doesn't it almost seem like he's a, becoming a yes dear, you know, I'll fire this guy so you can run dear, and it makes you wonder where the grapefruits really lay in the McMahon family. And I got a feeling that Linda, well, she may have chopped them off, cooked them up for breakfast, and Vince may be ballless right now, because 
I'll be damned if I'm going to, like, do harm to my company, a company that my father had and everything, because wifey wants to run for Senate. But on the other hand, he may be doing it to say, well, if wifey gets in the Senate, damn, that makes me look good, too. I mean, it's also convoluted with, with the McMahons, and I'm getting a headache. So thanks for taking the call, as always, J.J. Crelly, thanks for your input, and good night, everyone. Thanks, Bronx. We appreciate the call. Peace. Um, yeah, I was going to say, on that point that Bronx just made, I don't think that, uh, you know, with Linda running for Senate, it's hurt the company, per se. I mean, now that they're in a PG rating, I mean, their advertisement is, is just off the hook. They are making tons of cash off the advertising revenue that they're able to put on the show. When you've got a show... Um, that was similar to what they had in the Attitude Era, where sponsors were pulling away from the product. I mean, they were losing money. Yes, they were gaining it. Uh, they were gaining a lot of money in their revenue with the stuff they were doing. But you really want to have those advertisers back in your play. And that's the good thing about the PG product is you definitely are catering to advertisers. And uh, I have to give them credit for that. Whether or not she runs again in 2012, I think she's going to. I don't know what it does for Vince to know his wife's a senator, but I would almost say that in three or four years when Vince Vince's contract is up, that uh, it might be time for him to retire and let Trips and Steph run the biz. You know, um, Jeff Hyde has brought up uh, his drug case. Apparently, according to the pro wrestling torch, he's due in court next week for that. So next week we should know if Jeff Hyde is going to jail or if he's free. Now, here's my question. Uh, with that said, if he does have a court appearance next week, it's kind of making me think at this point in time, we do have a TNA pay-per-view this Sunday. What are the odds? What are the odds that Jeff Hardy drops that belt on Sunday? Do I think it's going to happen? No. But with a court case coming up, with him going back to court... And the possibility being he could get fined, he could go to jail. Do you really want your TNA World Heavyweight Champion to go to prison or go to jail as the champion? I mean, I would, if it were me, I would almost say, not that I want to see Matt Morgan the TNA World Heavyweight Champion, but I would almost say you might want to take that belt off of him for the short term to see how that goes. Apparently, the court case is on Monday or Tuesday. And don't they have tapings Monday and Tuesday this week? They do. So, if he, say if it's Monday and he gets put in jail on Monday, how will they explain him dropping the belt? Would they go, yes, our world, champion, our world champion was actually a druggie and was caught with tons of meth and stuff in his, in his house? Or do you just drop it and risk it and drop, have him drop it on Sunday? I don't know. I mean, that's... That's definitely uh, one way to look at it. I'm not really sure what the correct way to pursue, to, to pursue that would be. I mean, I guess we're going to have to tune in this Sunday and find out, but it wouldn't surprise me either way. Mm-hmm.
All right, guys, we're joined on the line by Lauren Mayhew, former ECW announcer, pop star, actress. Lauren, how are you doing? I'm excellent. How are you? You know, we're doing just fine. Good. This is is JJ, and that, of course, is uh, Chris Kelly. Of course. Hi, Chris. I've been retweeting all your tweets today. I was very excited about the interview. Yeah, and and for that, I do thank you. (laughs) So, um... Let's get to the reason why you're here. Let's basically talk a little bit about you. Um, okay. Now, uh, now I was doing a bit of research, and even, and even even before you entered the WWE, you're actually pretty well known. Mm-hmm. Um, you you um didn't you? You actually appeared in quite a few movies, t- like TV programs. Kind of tell the listeners what like what what you're in pre WWE. Um. Well, I guess it, um, the first feature film that I was out in was uh, a movie called Raise Your Voice. Um, with Hilary Duff, where I played her arch rival. And um, I was also in the American Pie series. I was in American Pie Band Camp as a Stifler's Dream Girl. I played Ariana. And um, I've, I've also done an assortment of different TV shows as well. I was in an American series called American Dreams um, that was on NBC um, that was a reoccurring role on. And I've been on all the CSIs and Law and & Orders and things like that. So that was pretty awesome. And then also I've done a lot of music stuff, too. I was signed to... Epic Sony and in a band, and we opened up for Britney Spears and NSYNC, Destiny's Child, 98 Degrees, and even got to do Super Bowl, um, which I know doesn't mean much in England, but in America it's pretty big. <laughs> got to do uh, Super Bowl with uh, Aerosmith, which was pretty awesome. Probably the coolest thing I've done. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that a few times. I've seen this because over here we are six hours ahead of you, so uh-huh. the Super Bowl here starts about three in the morning. So <laughs> I don't often but catch. Do you think it. anybody actually watches it, Chris? <laughs> um, yeah, they do actually because it it gets quite a few, uh, like quite a bit of coverage, be it on like sports channels. So really, yeah, so quite quite a few uh, English people do um, go to it, and of course they do hold over here, don't they? The um, the one season game for for the NFL oh, cool. in Wembley. Oh, cool. Now, see so, that that's the thing that I love about the British people. Not only do they stay up late to watch the Super Bowl. But uh, Crelly can attest that they stay up late to watch the WWE pay-per-views every time they're on. Hey-o. I'm telling you, <laughs> he, he's up usually till like 6, 7 in the morning watching that stuff. Hardcore over there. Chris, when do you sleep? When do you sleep, Chris? <laughs> uh, normally I don't because I watch wrestling and then go to college. <laughs> so I often sleep during college. Because but don't war... you guys in, a, in England called College Uni or no? Um... Yes, kind of, because ours goes, <laughs> ours goes primary school, secondary school, college, and then and then uni. And oh, gotcha. Okay. Cause, and I'm 20, and I'm currently at college, which is your university. I think. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I um, when I I came to England, actually, um, I performed at both uh, Sheffield and uh, um in England, um, I'm sorry, in London at the O2 Arena. And uh, it was awesome because my I, one of my childhood best friends lives in Brighton, and uh, he's all. I remember when I, I used to call him and talk to him on the phone, and he became more British every day, and he would use phrases that I didn't like understand, and he would always use uni. I mean, obviously, I figured that one out, but it took me a while when he would say he was pissed to not understand that he wasn't mad, but that he was drunk. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was actually at the Sheffield tapings when you were over here singing, and I actually oh, posted cool. the pictures. On, awesome. Yeah, I posted the pictures on, on your Facebook. And you tagged them. Yeah, actually, I put that on the um, uh, Lauren Mayhew uh, fan site, uh, my uh, face page, uh, Facebook page. So thank you for those. I didn't have any pictures from that, so that was awesome. 
yeah, that that was my first event, and like I think that was just after you signed with WWE. People were like, oh, who's this? And if I and if I if I remember right, you 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 got a pretty good uh, applause from from the fans because it was a great. Um, yeah, I did. I was kind of nervous, actually, because um, I started maybe about two months before that, and I was a little worried because, you know, I was replacing someone that had been on the WWE for almost 14 years. So whenever you're doing that, you know, it becomes kind of worrisome, like, you know, how are the fans going to receive you? And um, I remember walking out at my first show, which was actually in Trenton, New Jersey, in the States, and um, I didn't know what to expect, and uh, they cheered. They cheered really loud, so I was really excited about that. It definitely was a warm welcome, so I was lucky. Well, like you brought it up, uh, you said that that you were brought in to replace Lillian Garcia, kind of. Like when yeah. when you were signed, were you told that you'd be starting on on ECW, uh, or were you told that you'd be like straight away onto Raw to replace Lillian, who was leaving at that time? No, I knew I was going to be starting on ECW simply because um, they wanted to give me some time to just learn the ropes. And obviously, SmackDown and Raw are their two main brands. And, uh, you know, it was only really for the pure fact that, you know, they just wanted to give me some time to adjust and to learn because, you know, I didn't really have any, like, you know, former training in that kind of world. I was just kind of thrown into it. Um, so, you know, it was more so a play, you know, to just try to kind of introduce me to the brand rather than throw me into the, the big boys <laughs> night, you know, the, you know, the very first day. <laughs> what was it like working within the WWE? Like, because, like, you, us, the fans, often hear, like, conflicting reports backstage is great back, backstage is awful what was your experience in the w, in the wwe you know what um it was a pretty crazy and awesome experience um i definitely you know i loved i love traveling so that was an amazing you know ability to be able to do that and travel all over i love performing so being able to perform for packed arenas all over the world was also really exciting and, um, you know, a lot of the people are really cool. Some people are definitely more friendly than others. I will say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, on the whole, I, it was a definitely a positive experience, um, especially all the executives like Vince McMahon were very kind to me. And, uh, you know, I, I don't regret a second of it. I'm, I'm really glad that I did it. And I'm, I'm glad that I'm, you know, I'm part of it. So, I, I was going to ask really quick, uh, as far as your initial run in the WWE, uh, growing up, were you a wrestling fan at all? Was it something that you watched uh growing up or or was it something that you know through your music and acting uh, that just kind of came up a little bit of both um you know when i was young i actually did watch a little bit of wrestling you know not really since i was like 10 to 12 years old um actually i remember uh back in the day i had some guy friends um you know the first boys i really had crushes on and they were super super into the wwe so i think i kind of got into it because of them oh yeah that makes <laughs> i won't sense. lie um but you know um you know then growing up after that i was so involved with like my music and touring all over and stuff i really didn't get to watch much tv um and then i you know when i got the call um, from my agent about, uh, you know, they needed, you know, a new host and singer, national anthem singer for the W. It was a very, um, you know, specific, uh, you know, uh, list of requirements that they were looking for. And um, I happened to fit the bill. And I was like, you know what, I'll never turn down a meeting. Like, let's see what this is all about. Um, I went and auditioned in L.A. Um, then they brought me back in L.A. and put me on tape for the executives in Connecticut and in New York. And then um, after that, they flew me out to New York City for a screen test. And when I went there, I was so wowed by, um, you know, their hospitality and how, you know, just gracious they were and about the company in general and what a giant it was. And it just seemed like such an amazing, you know, opportunity. And uh, when they called me a month later and said that I had the job, you know, I, I accepted it and that was that. You worked in movies before going into wrestling and people often mm -hmm. compare wrestling to, to a live movie. How did it 
how, like did it feel different to be working on a set than it did to be working a live event w- within the WWE? Oh, 100%. I wouldn't even say they were anything close. I mean, um, I don't know what uh, similarities um, there's people who said that are drawing on, but to me, it's totally different because when you're on a film, um, you do the same thing over and over and over again. You work on like one minute detail. They usually try to keep as you know minimal amount of people on a set as possible. It's usually you know only a crew of maybe 40 or 50 people, and then like the director and the other actors that you're working with. I mean, this is a much bigger deal because a it's live. Um, you know, b it's you know with anywhere between 10 to you know sometimes 40, 50, even more if you're talking about a pay-per-view, um, thousand people watching, and um, you know so there's definitely a lot more pressure to get it right the first time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's happening right then and there. So you really have to be paying attention. It's not like it's a line that you have to memorize that you know what's going to happen. So there's, there's some of that as well that you, you know, definitely things can be thrown in there that will throw you for a loop. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with live television. Anything can and always does seem to happen. Uh, at any moment, yep. something unpredictable will pop up. Yep. Now, like, you were in the WWE for, like, what, six months to, to a year-ish? Yep, like, about about exactly about six or seven months, I'd say. And I, it, it kind of wouldn't it kind of wouldn't explain why you left left the company. Can you really explain why you left the company at all? Yeah, um, I mean, basically, you know, as, as as you know, like I was doing a lot of acting and music before I came into WWE, and really it just became a thing of that. You know, I really wanted to be able to focus on my music and acting. I, I love performing with the WWE, and I would love to do it again. Um, but it was just one of those things that um, at the time, you know, it seemed like I need to go back and focus on my music and my acting. And um, you know, I, I would love to be able to do both at the you know same time again. And maybe if I came back, um, you know, one of the different shows, it would you know maybe be a different story. So. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's you know, it's an open book in the future, so you could definitely very well see me, you know, with a company again. Do uh, do you still keep up with like wrestling in general, like like storylines at all, or not since leaving? You know, what, actually, now that I've been more um, exposed to it, I 100% do. I actually I see some of the wrestlers, and I've met up with them. I've actually I've been asked to do a bunch of um, expos and MMA and UFC fights and things like that, and sing the anthem for them. So I actually went out um, to Atlantic City and um, sang for an MMA um, fight that was uh, there at the Trump Taj Mahal. And uh, that was a blast. And it's really cool just kind of, you know, going to all these different, you know, fields of like UFC to WWE to, you know, MMA. Um, they're all so exciting. And it was my first time ever being at an MMA fight. And I sat ringside and um, it was pretty crazy. Um, it was, they're definitely intense, but I really enjoyed it. There was definitely a lot of WWE superstars there as well. Tony Atlas was there. Um, Kurt Angle was there. Uh, a bunch of different people, so um, it's really cool to keep in touch with them. And I met obviously a lot of new wrestlers that I, I wasn't previously friends with as well, which is pretty cool. Um, like, how would you compare announcing and singing in front of the MMA fans to to the fans of the WWE? Because those like those fans are often like compared and contrasted. How would you like? Right, I would. I mean, in my situation, in my experience, I would definitely say that, you know, WWE fans are louder, you know, um, more rowdy and just more excited. Like, in general, I'd say that the MMA fans, while they are still rowdy, are, are more, like, quietly and intently watching. Like, they're just really intense, like, just on every single move where the WWE people are definitely more, like, screaming at the top of their lungs, cheering on their wrestlers, like, really getting involved. But I think that maybe a lot of that is because there's more of a storyline that goes on with WWE. Like, you actually follow you know, the rivalries and, you know, who they're dating and all this other stuff, whereas with, um, you know, NMA, um, you don't really follow any of that. I mean, it's not, you know, televised, really, so. Well, now, I was going to ask, uh, as far as your WWE run, 
is there any moment that kind of stands out to you in your seven or eight months that you were there that you really thought would, would be your defining moment, uh, something that you really enjoyed? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if there was one thing that I would say would be my defining moment, but I definitely have some crazy stories. <laughs> um, one being, I thought probably the craziest thing that ever happened to me was, I remember there was one night that uh, I was watching um, uh, Batista and The Undertaker fight. And I'm sitting, you know, right there next to Justin Roberts, like right at ringside, you know, just, you know, totally paying attention, like into the fight. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, Batista gets thrown out of the ring by Undertaker right at my head. <laughs> so I, like, move out of the way. I'm like, holy Jesus, you know, like, moving out of the way. And, um, you know, they keep, like, wrestling and keep fighting with each other. And it's like everywhere I went, they were throwing each other, like, in my way. So I knew that by this time that they were, like, you know, messing with me, you know. But um, so I, I literally barely get out of the way as I get to the side of the ring. And, and this fan who's right at the front just goes, run! And, like, literally Undertaker is being, again, hurled by Batista at my head. So I end up, like, running as fast as I can in five-inch stilettos, mind you, and a, and a cocktail dress around the entire ring. I finally make it around, and I'm, like, cowering behind one of the security guards on the side, like, holy bejesus, like, I'm not going to make it. And um, it was definitely pretty hysterical. I remember afterwards, you know, Batista just, like, walked by me, gave me a little slap on the shoulder. He's like, you're all right, kids. And I was like, whoa. I was like, you almost killed me. Like, it was pretty crazy. I would definitely say that was a moment that I would not forget. Uh, you got to love the WWE guys trying to haze people. That's awesome. Oh, 100%. And it didn't matter that I wasn't a wrestler and I was just this little blonde girl in five-inch heels. They didn't care. I was going to be hazed just like anybody else. Well, that that would be quite scary, sat there and just having David Cedar thrown at you. So I give you credit for, for only running around the ring. Yeah, all the way around the ring. And I don't think – I thought they were going to televise that too, but I guess they didn't. Because so, I remember telling – you know, calling my mom and my dad afterwards, like, and telling them, like, oh, my goodness, you're going to laugh your butts off because you're going to be seeing me, like, almost die running around this ring like an idiot. <laughs> but I guess mm. they didn't hear that part, so. You've told us a little bit about, what, like, about you doing the, um, the MMA, MMA announcing. Since leaving mm -hmm. WWE, what else, what else have you been doing? Because uh, I know. Since and I was in a, Yes, since leaving the E. Well, what, well on. one thing I'd say is um, I have a movie that's out now. It's a teen comedy. And um, it's through Overture Films, and it's airing on Showtime and the movie channel in the United States. It's called Frat Party. And um, I do believe that it's going to start airing in Europe as well, so you should probably be able to see it in um, England soon. And I'll let you I know uh, what channel it'll be on. But, um, yeah, as of right now, I think it's just airing in the U.S., and um, I'm one of the supporting leads in it. And uh, my character's name is Kelly, and I'm in this love triangle with the main lead and another girl. And it's a pretty fun, um, you know, silly comedy. It's kind of like an American Pie-type movie. And, uh, and also, in addition to that, I'm doing a lot of music. I have a song, the one that you played earlier, that's uh, now number six in Ireland, actually, randomly, um, on the dance charts, which is really cool. And it's playing on, I think, 60 different radio stations right now. And uh, I have a music video that's out. Um, the song is called What You Don't Know. And that song's been on a bunch of different MTV and VH1 and uh, different uh, movies as well. And uh, it's really cool because I actually, and this is actually bringing it all full circle, I actually had to train in martial arts um, for the music video, which was awesome. And I got a little taste of, like, you know, what the guys and I mean, I know WWE is wrestling, but, you know, especially with MMA, learning some of the mixed martial arts stuff, it was amazing. Um, this guy, his name's Matt Mullins. He's a, um, a star on an ABC family show here in the U.S. called Common Writer. 
And um, he did all the choreographing for martial arts on Britney Spears' tour, and he has his own show in Vegas, and he's absolutely phenomenal. And he did all the choreography for the martial arts in the video. So if you guys want to check that out, it's on my YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com backslash Lauren Mayhew. And uh, it's a really cool video. Yeah, earlier I, I actually went to iTunes and got your songs, um, and my sister has been has nonstop been like nonstop playing it ever since I bought it. Aww, my sister now loves you. That's awesome. <laughs> but thank you very much. <laughs> when we wrap the show tonight, we're actually going to uh, play one of your songs for Song of the Night. I believe that I have while Buckle Up. Great, awesome. So we'll definitely get that out there, and we'll definitely uh, help promote the YouTube page. And awesome, Twitter. sounds great. And Twitter. Don't don't forget oh, to Twitter. plug your there Twitter. You go. Oh yeah. yes, my my Twitter is LC Mayhew. So uh, check that out. Another thing, actually, that I have going on that you guys might kind of like is um I have a new TV show. It's a show called Breakfast Burrito News, and uh, right now you can catch it on its uh, own YouTube channel, uh, which is just youtube.com backslash Breakfast Burrito News, and it's basically like all the news you want to know, not just American news, but also uh, you know news in Europe and stuff in England and everything as well. Although it is mostly American news. And uh, it's like everything you want to know in a bite-sized portion to go, from sports to music to politics um, to everything. So it's pretty cool. Uh, if, uh, if you send me the link, I will post that on the main site so the uh, viewers Great, can yeah. get, to, get to that out. For sure, so, yeah. It's, uh, it comes out every Friday. So every Friday you're going to basically get your news for the week. Very cool. Sounds good. We'll definitely get that promoted. Uh, I just want to say, Lauren, thank you for for stopping by tonight and uh, sharing with us your WWE experience and and what you've got going on. I've actually seen Bandcamp, and I didn't realize that was you. Yeah, I know. It's really funny because my, like... My look, depending on my hair color and the length and how I wear it, it's cha- I'm like a chameleon. It changes all the time. But my hair was super dark, like really dark brown in band camp. And then most of the WWE people know me as this very, very blonde girl. And um, it was totally different. So it's very understandable that you wouldn't recognize that it's the same person. <laughs> well, and that's that's a good marketable thing about uh, about that. I mean, as an actress, you can definitely change the look. And, you know, people probably wouldn't recognize you from uh, one thing to another. So that's that's good of being course, chameleon. And, yeah. yeah. So, Crelly, do you have anything before we before we close out? No, I I just want to thank you, Lauren, for coming on the show, and thank you for following me on Twitter and talking to me. Oh, of course, uh, Cre- thank you guys so much to both of you. It's been a very awesome interview, and I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Not a problem. Hey guys, what's up? This is Lauren Mayhew, and you are listening to Unplugged with JJ Sexay on SNS Network. Lauren, it was a pleasure to have you on, and uh, next time you do a movie, we'll bring you back. Awesome. Sounds great. I'll keep you guys updated. All right. Thanks, Lauren. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. All right, Crelly. Kudos to the fucking foreign kid, guys. Crelly, hooking interviews up on this network. Well, I have to do something or, or, or else Trey, <laughs> Trey will come kill me, to be honest. So I have to keep keep rent here on the SNES Radio Network. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But uh, that one was very fun. I, I actually enjoyed her Undertaker Batista story. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and a lot of you, I had no idea that she was actually in Bandcamp until I was watching it earlier on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that movie, I, I'm going to say probably about six months ago. I saw it on TV. And now that you mention it, I do kind of recognize her a little bit from the face. Yeah, uh, like literally when I was doing like the uh, research, I was like, no, that's not her. Damn, it actually is. Awesome. Well, Crelly, I'm about to take my first commercial break of the night. You got anything before I uh, head to the break? From headlocktheheadlines.com. Check it out. Um, Twitter, FHTH Crelly. That's it. Yeah, that's, that's my only plugs. 
I guess on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with more Unplugged right after this. What's up, everybody? This is Marcus Stevenson from THQ, and you're listening to the SNS Radio Network. I hear voices in my head. They counsel me. They understand. They talk to me. Since 1996, audio wrestling has been getting in the ring as your definitive source for all your wrestling desires. Interviews with some of pro wrestling's biggest stars. Providing you with a wide selection of award-winning wrestling shows from past and present. Such as Ministry of Slam, Monday Night Mayhem, In Your Head, WrestleCast, Sunday Night Showdown, Wrestling News Live, Between the Ropes, RVD Radio, WrestleCast, and Wrestle Talk Radio, and many others. If you can't get enough Mad Mania, climb into the ring with Audio Wrestling, www.audiowrestling.com, and check out all the real voices of wrestling radio. Audio Wrestling, keeping you tuned in since 1996. This is WWE TLC. Tables, ladders, and chairs. TLC is higher risk. TLC is anything goes. TLC is no holds barred. TLC is the one night in WWE where everything is legal. WWE TLC, live Sunday, December 19th on Pay-Per-View. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay of Sunday Night Showdown. If you're looking for the latest wrestling news on the World Wide Web, you should check out www.fromheadlockstoheadlines.com. It's the official news source for Sunday Night Showdown, and you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.fromheadlockstoheadlines.com. Dirty, filthy, unkempt fingernails are a huge turnoff on today's 
modern man. My name is Dashing Cody Rhodes, and I'm here to tell you how you too can be dashing. Snip, snip, snip. A couple equal clips on each nail should do the trick. Not too short though. You don't want to damage your cuticles. Now most people, most people would use a nail file afterwards to even the rough edges. But I, I use an emery board. Just a few short strokes should be sufficient for shaping your nail. And to add the finishing touch, sometimes I apply clear nail polish. Don't believe what you've heard. Nail polish is not just for women. Not only does it protect them from the elements, but it gives your nails a sparkling shine. I'm Dashing Cody Rhodes, bringing you one step closer to dashing. Does listening to Wrestling News Live make you a smarter, more knowledgeable wrestling fan? Would the Trey Dog drink Velvet Sky's bathwater? Well, hello there, Velvet. That is some good bath water, baby. Listening to Wrestling News Live does make you a smarter, more knowledgeable wrestling fan, although it will not save you any money on your car insurance. This Sunday, Matt Morgan gets a second chance at the gold as he battles TNA heavyweight champion Jeff Hardy. Will the champ retain the title, or has he awoken the sleeping giant? Samoa Joe looks for revenge against Jeff Jarrett. Abyss tries to take out the Pope in a casket match. And Rhino goes to war with Rob Van Dam in a first blood match. TNA Wrestling presents Final Resolution, live this Sunday on Pay-Per-View. Hi, gang. This is Mean Gene Okerlund from the WWE. And uh, you're listening to JJ on the SNS Radio Network. Work it. Right here, Unplugged, the SNS Radio Network. Of course, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, JJ Sexay. And if you're just joining us, thanks for tuning in on this Friday night. We wrapped up SmackDown earlier on. We just finished with Lauren Mayhew. 
formerly the ring announcer for WWE's ECW brand and originally the person expected to take over the role as the ring announcer for Monday Night Raw after Lillian Garcia's departure. It's good to have Lauren on. We wish her the best in everything she's doing. We're going to shift things to a little video game talk right now before we wrap things here on the program. What I want to talk about is I've had a little bit of time over the past couple of weeks, obviously with all the games that came out on October 26th, The Force Unleashed 2, SmackDown vs. Raw 2011, not to mention the downloadable content package for, in my opinion, one of the best games this year, Red Dead Redemption. For those of you who haven't played uh, the latest DLC content pack for that, Undead Nightmare. We're going to jump right into that because I got I to be honest, guys. That, to me, first of all, I, I'm a huge buff uh, as far as Western games go. You're talking about a genre that's not fully represented on the Xbox 360 or the or the PlayStation 3. I mean, there's there's not many, you know, Western-related video games. Uh, you know, I can remember, what was it, 2004 Red Dead Revolver coming out for PlayStation 2 and the Xbox. And that was a game that I really got into. Since then, they you've, there's been a couple. I think, what is it, uh, Call of Juarez has had a couple games. Uh, Gun, which was voiced by Thomas Jane. So, I mean, there's been a few here and there. Red Dead Redemption, beyond a shadow of a doubt, one of the best games this year. It's A lot of people have compared it, obviously, to Grand Theft Auto. Considering it is made by Rockstar Games, it's very similar to Grand Theft Auto 4 with horses and wild animals. A very fun game. I'm getting a phone call coming in. Welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? Get me talking about westerns without the outlaw brother you know better than that well i was just waiting on your cue my friend i was just waiting on your cue i'll tell you what i'm not I, I think if my voice doesn't get any better by monday i may be going to the doctor i am not sick at all like there's nothing wrong with me whatsoever but my voice is just shot that's not i good, didn't man. talk all day on purpose <laughs> <laughs> have you had a chance to play red dead redemption at all yeah, I played with you. I mean, I mean, well, okay, yes, you did play the actual Red Dead Redemption. Have you played any of the DLC packs? Uh, I have not played the most recent one, no. I remember the time you uh, you played with me and Horseman, and we, like, knifed your horse. Yeah, and then Horseman and I were in a... Uh, <laughs> we stole a wagon, and we were just going balls to the wall, and we went off the side of the mountain, and I don't know how we didn't die, but we killed the wagon and killed our horses. I think what was the coolest part of that to me was as it got later at night, you would get like two or three guys and they would camp an area and they'd just kill you every time they saw you. And so it was you and your buddies trying to get them before they got you. Yeah, I you know what? There's a lot of times when you're playing the multiplayer that you run into that. Uh, I think I actually played along with you guys when they had the campers on the mountain shooting at us. I remember yeah. that. I remember that. That was uh, pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, we had a good time with that. But for those of you who have not checked out the latest uh, DLC package, Undead Nightmare, it is definitely worth the price of admission. If you get a chance to play it, do so. Uh, the story takes place shortly after John Marston uh, is reunited with his family. And, of course, the storyline is that this curse 
basically goes over the land, turning all the regular townsfolk in New Austin and in Mexico into mindless zombies. So if you love zombie games and you love the Wild West, oh man, are you in for a treat. You've got undead cougars and bears coming after you. On top of that, there's a lot of interesting things that you're going to find in this game, like mythical creatures. Yes, mythical creatures. You can actually ride the four horses of the apocalypse. Nice. So far, I think I've ridden three of them. Pestilence, death, and war. And war is cool because the horse is on fire, and you can literally... I had fun with that one because when I had a horde of zombies coming after me in the graveyards, I would just run them down with the horse, and they would instantly start to burn. That's nice. That was pretty cool. Um... Unicorn is also in the game. I have yet to run across the unicorn. The Chupacabra is in the game in Mexico. Now, what exactly is this? The Chupacabra is what they call the goat sucker. That's uh, that's, that's this dog-looking thing uh, that has been... There's been many different rumors on what the Chupacabra is. A lot of people think it's an alien creature that runs loose. You know, in the southwestern United States and Puerto Rico. Sounds like a homosexual dog. Kind of does. Um, a lot of people think that it might have been made by the U.S. military as, a, as an experiment. But either way, the mythical creature, the Chupacabra, is in the game. Uh, Sasquatches are in the game. In fact, there's actually a storyline involved with you killing Sasquatches where you actually meet up with the final Sasquatch who then basically uh, you kill. So that was pretty cool. But the story is basically in Mexico, uh, Abraham Reyes, who you meet in Mexico and do some missions for in the actual Red Dead Redemption game, basically finds this tomb underneath one of the, uh, underneath his villa, basically. And he takes this mask from this sacred stone and it basically unleashes a curse that enslaves all the people as zombies. And so you're literally going from town to town. You're trying to find Seth, the guy that used to you know, do the grave digging in Red Dead Redemption. You run on missions for Nigel West Dickens. Again? Yep. You end up going back to uh, Armadillo and helping the sheriff, uh, who basically is trying to clear Armadillo of the zombies. And I'm talking, these zombies are hardcore, man. This is not like the zombies crawling at you at a slow pace. These motherfuckers come running. And you get hoarded with them off and on throughout the whole game. You got some that spit green shit at you. But it's very satisfying when you're riding your horse and you lasso a zombie when you drag the son of a bitch for about a mile or two behind your horse. That That's some fun shit right there. But you basically make your way through New Austin... After you're done with that, you're told to go into, New, uh, to go into Mexico and uh, you start doing missions where you end up going to the, um, to the, to the missionary and uh, the sister tries to figure out a way to reverse the curse. You get to use holy water. It's fun, man. You get to ride undead horses, which is awesome. They're hard to control, but you literally can ride a horse that has absolutely... Uh, its guts are just, you know, gone. You can see the ribs. You can see where some of them, they just have skeletal faces. 
So uh, it, it's it's pretty cool, man. The stuff that you're able to do in this game. Uh, I, I had a blast playing it, so I, I definitely would have to rate this uh, a must-pick-up DLC if you love zombie. Seems like every game now is going to a zombie mode. They are. You're right. I mean, there's a lot of games, you know, even like the Call of Duty service has been, yeah. you know, bringing out the zombies. Uh, zombies are just a popular thing in this day and age. I think they're underpaid. You think they're underpaid? Yeah. I mean, look at how sloppy they dress. No, they do dress. They, they stink. They obviously don't bathe very often. Right. I mean, give a brother a dollar and a sandwich. But uh, I, I highly recommend it. You get a lot of cool weapons and stuff that you're able to kind of go through. Uh, you get a blunderbuss, which you're able to use different parts from, from dead things, like ribs and everything, and you can blow the zombies up with the blunderbuss. Which is quite fun. Do you ever turn into a zombie yourself? Um, <laughs> it's funny you should ask that. I, I think I think I can go ahead and give spoilers. Once you beat the main campaign uh, in Undead Nightmare, as most of you know, in the actual game Red Dead Redemption, John Marston is killed by federal agents. And then you take over as his son Jack to exact revenge on the federal agent who basically helped gun your father down, basically seeking revenge on, you know, your mother and father's passing. So, basically, once you beat the Undead Nightmare campaign, you return the mask to the crypt. You are sent back by the spirit of, uh, of some goddess. And, of course, shortly thereafter, John Marston dies. And uh, Seth... The gravedigger ends up going back into the tomb and taking the mask. And then right after that, it shows the Marston gravesite. And John Marston comes out of the grave with the soul of a man and the body of the undead. And you're basically, at that point, allowed free roam through the game. So if you didn't get something that you wanted to, to pick up, you basically can play free roam. You still can kill zombies. You can do whatever. It's just you are zombie Marston, and instead of talking, you grunt like a zombie would. You don't walk like a zombie. You can shoot guns, but you literally have the undead body. It's awesome. So my next thing on this is I'm going to go through and get the unicorn. Uh, I'm going to go find a liger. I'm going to go kill the chupacabra. I'm going to find everything I can in this game and get 100% completion. But I highly recommend it. The, the story missions for this are fun. It's not really a short game. It, it took me a couple days to, to beat it. Uh, you know, maybe that's just because I take my time with it. I totally think it, it's worth the price of admission. You know, for twelve hundred or fourteen hundred Microsoft points, I think it's totally worth it. What's that way out to in dollars? Um, well, let me see. I believe fourteen hundred Microsoft points in Canada equals out to twenty bucks. I know in the states it's sixteen hundred is twenty bucks. Okay. But yeah, if I had to give it a grade, I'd give it an A. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Sounds like something to pick up. I've been wanting to get back into the Xbox and everything, so although I'm kind of torn with this new this new gaming system that's coming out, I want to check it out, too. Oh, you talking about OnLive? Yeah. See, I don't know a lot about that. It, it looks interesting. And I, you can play it on your computer, too, but you have to pay per game. You know, I'm not going to pay five, five bucks just to play a game. 
But it's pretty cool. I went and checked it out a little bit. I haven't checked it completely out yet, but I plan to. No, I haven't. Like I said, I don't have a lot of information on the uh, the on live stuff, but uh, it looks pretty cool. Um, you know, we we touched on this a little bit on Monday night. You know, Leslie Nielsen passed away, and not only did Leslie Nielsen pass away, but uh, legendary director, the man who directed my favorite Star Wars film, The Empire Strikes Back, Irvin Kershner, actually passed away this past week as well. Damn, and. Uh, you know what? That still, in my opinion, is the best Star Wars film in both trilogies. I don't know how I'd big. Have to say, I'd have to say that's that's uh, probably my favorite. Well, you know, the thing I liked about it was the good guys didn't win at the end of that movie. When you right. look at when you look at most of the other uh, Star Wars movies, you know they win in Star Wars: A New Hope. Empire Strikes Back, they don't. Return of the Jedi, the good guys win. The first one. I like I like Jedi quite a bit too, though. Well, Jedi is a fun movie. I I really prefer Empire Empire Strikes Back, and then I would have to say that behind that one, I would prefer Revenge of the Sith because again, both of them have the dark endings where the the bad guys have basically won, and you're waiting to see what's going to happen next. Dun, 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 dun. You're 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 a bad guy liker, huh? You're a heel. Well, I, I love heels. You know that. Wrongs has not seen a Star Wars movie. Are you kidding me? He's a fucking Trekkie. That makes him gay. <laughs> Any right, Trey? Sorry, Bronx. I love you, but that makes you uh, homosexual. Somebody tie Bronx to a fucking chair in front of a TV and make him watch all six goddamn Star Wars movies. A Trekkie. How can yeah. you not love Star Wars? <sighs> How could you be a Trekkie? Where's the pickle man? Cue the Pickle Man. Yeah, Pickle Man's not in the chat tonight. Doesn't mean he's not listening. No, I, I'm sure I'll get feedback this week from Pickle Man. Bronxy, Bronxy, Bronxy. Wow, Trekkie. Not that I have anything against Trekkies. No, but to have not seen, you know, any of the Star Wars, that's like being gay because you never had a chance to try any pussy. I mean, that original trilogy is some of the most iconic film I can't believe you haven't seen that, especially someone who's close to our age. Your That's... parents ought to be up to, like, abuse to children. No shit. Well, Tyrant, I'm not right now myself, but, I mean, growing up as a kid, I was. See, I, I, I still love Star Wars. I, you know, anytime they're on TV, I'll catch them. I actually, I think I have all of them at some point. Well, don't I mean, get me wrong, I'll watch a Star Trek movie. I, you know, I think the, the whole cast of The Next Generation was my favorite. Is it wrong of me to actually like the Star Trek movies with Kirk and Spock, but not really care for the old TV series? No, I was like that, too. See, I, I don't like the 60s TV series with with Shatner and Nimoy, but I do love the movies. The movies, the movies were all right. You know, but I am, I am quite partial to the Next Generation cast. Me, too. And Troy Cities. I will agree yeah. with you there. I was a big, big, big fan of hers. Yeah, she. You know what? She still does a lot of uh, a lot of things in the sci-fi realm. You know. Yeah. I don't know if you got a chance to play any of the uh, Mass Effect games. Mass Effect. But she literally plays a character, voices a character in uh, the first Mass Effect game. Oh, really? Yeah. So she she stays pretty uh, pretty active in sci-fi. And uh, Rodriguez says Mass Effect rules. I tell you what. 
if they wanted to make a next generation Star Wars kind of movie, I would center it around the Mass Effect universe because you'd have some major shit going on there. Here comes the pickle man. Maybe. Maybe. Well, Trey, you got anything else on your mind before I start taking some phone calls? No, man. I just want to chime in and say, you know, great job tonight and uh, chime in on that Red Dead zombified because I want to play that so bad. Well, you, you do still have Red Dead Redemption, I hope. Yeah, I still have the game. I just don't have my system. I sold my system. I'm getting another one. Well, when you get one of the new ones. When you get your system, let me know so we can uh, we can posse up and take on some motherfuckers on Red Dead. Oh, damn sure, damn sure. But I'll let you know with the show, man. I'm going to try to heal up my voice and not talk anymore, and I'm going to go play some golf, a little Tiger Woods golf online. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you uh, probably Sunday. All right, man. All right, man. Have a good one. Later, y'all. Always controversial outlaw of the IWC, my partner, the Trey Dog. Uh, with that said, guys, Crelly, are you still on the line? Yep. Did you want to chime in anything on Undead Redemption or Undead Nightmare? Yeah, it, it's a fun DLC. Um, I actually got it for free because on the PS3 you can share um, any account on five PS3s, and I, my mate bought it, so I downloaded it for free. Um, but I would have bought it. it like I say, it is. It does bring bring a brand new uh, dynamic to the game. Um, the whole mask thing is a bit bizarre, and if you try and take it out of context of the game, wouldn't hit, wouldn't uh, Jack Master? So yeah, wouldn't Jack Master be there to shoot the zombies? You would think, yeah. I mean, um, but the way they're the way that they're trying to, I guess, separate it is when he comes up out of the grave. It's only been fifteen months. Yeah, so, I mean, the Jack Marston thing, he actually grows up a little bit. That's, like, years down the road. Yeah, because um, also, if you look if you look at the original game compared to DLC, the mother and the grandfather are buried next to, are buried next to him. And on the on the Undead Nightmare, neither are buried there. Yeah, like, like I said, I think it was uh, there was a little, little more time had passed before the Jack Marston thing. This was, uh, you know, a very short amount of time between... His passing, and of course, Seth robbing the uh, the tomb. So, yeah, it, it's a it's a great great DLC. The uh, when when you're going around trying to save people from zombies, and like, you're walking along, and your horse gets eaten, you're kind of annoyed. I've caught I've I, I have actually caught all four of the uh, rare horses. Right now, I'm riding I'm riding the death one, the uh, fire one, rode, rode away and, and never came back. Oh, you know what the the. War the the fire horse got killed. I was in a cemetery in tombstone, not tombstone, tumbleweed, uh, clearing out the damn cemetery because you have to go like incinerate the coffins, obviously. Yeah, and then you got to fight until the the last zombie comes up out of the ground, which is like your zombie boss. And at first, I was riding the damn horse around and just running them over because they would flame up, and you know if you run them over a couple times, you, you'd kill them. Uh, but they literally hoard your ass. And then I, I go to call my horse, and I look on the ground, and it's just fucking dead. And I'm like, what the hell happened to my horse? <laughs> if you go to your the uh, pause menu, you will have the deed for one of the horses. Yeah. It's about, like I got the deed for the uh, dead horse. And apparently if you ca- catch all four, you get the deed for all of them. But you don't, because I've caught all four of them, and I don't have the deeds for all four. I've got, I've got the deeds for one. Yeah, you, you, kind of... you don't get the you don't get the deeds once you catch them. Um, pestilence, it even says pestilence, is almost unkillable. But yet, yes. but yet the motherfucker died. 
Yeah, it says it says that it that it's basically un, unkillable. Well, ne- next time I get it, I'm gonna try and ride it for Cliff and see how long it lives for. Uh, yeah, I think that's what happened to me. I think I fell off a cliff, and I lived, but pestilence took it for me, and and it died. So <laughs> he took he took one for the team today. He took one for the team. Um, you know, some some of the cool things that I really enjoyed with the game uh, were some of the traps and stuff, like when you take the uh, what is it, the zombie bait formula. Mm-hmm. And you would throw it in the middle of an area, and all the zombies would hoard over to it, and I just fuck them up with dynamite. Yeah, it, it's always fun to blow up zombies using bizarre weapons. But I still think the best thing in that game is is uh, when you go to the uh, to the uh, normal game, go to Mexico, pick up a woman from Mexico, hug her, pull on your horse, and then go to, and then go to tall trees. Um, find a bear, let go of the woman, and then it starts up a, like a little mini game where the bear chases the woman. And she's and she's screaming and she's screaming like like a madman because she'd never seen a bear before, and the bear eats her. Oh, that's awesome! I'll have to check that out. I, I really found it interesting though that I that I killed Sasquatch because you you run across this crazy motherfucker in tall trees, like I can't remember the birth of the conservation movement or something, and he's all like, "There's fucking Bigfoots in the woods and shit," and you're like, "Yeah, whatever." So you go into the woods and of course you're killing hordes of zombies. And then you're looking for freaking Bigfoot, and you have to kill like six different Sasquatches. Yes. And then once you do that, you get down to the last one, and he's sitting in front of a damn tree, crying, and you're like, what the fuck is this? So you're getting ready to shoot him, and like the, the Bigfoot starts talking to you and says that some crazy, deranged psychopath is killing his people. And as John Marston, you're like, you're eating babies, because that's what the villagers have told you, is that the Bigfoots were eating babies, children. And so the damn Sasquatch is having a conversation with you. And then I just shot the motherfucker in the head, which was awesome. I I let it live, but there is a few bizarre things like the mask, talking to the Bigfoot. But I think the positive outweigh the negatives. Oh, and yeah. it's a fun little uh, thing to have on the game. Now, I've also been hearing, too, there's, there's a lot of people saying there's glitches in the game, but a lot of people are saying that there's actually werewolves. I've yet to run across those. Um Werewolf. <laughs> I actually heard that there is a werewolf, supposedly in tall trees. And, it's possible. Uh, I have I have not seen it. I've seen videos on YouTube where people have said that they've seen it, but whatever. It's probably an urban legend at this point. Or it's possible because um, you know, you know, on the uh, first game, or sorry, not not first game, the um, the, the original game. When you uh, start shooting the animals to get up your shooting uh, level, you do come across a rare cougar. So I'm thinking if you do it because there is a shooting one, like shooting animals uh, t- challenge on the undead one, I'm wondering if that might be like like, like the, the top prize, level 10, shoot the, shoot that, shoot the werewolf. It's possible. It's possible. I have to go back and, and check that. Like I said, I have to, I want to complete it 100%. I haven't done that yet, but... I really did enjoy the story. Uh, I love going to a town and helping clear out the village of zombies. I mean, because yeah. those motherfuckers are hardcore. Especially when they eat your horse. Yes. They, they, they think you're screwed. You see, they're I calling and, and nothing happens. The, the best thing I had was um, I went to say, say this woman and she was, and she was still on a, a, chi- on a chicken cage. And I, and I jump away from the zombies. I get on top of her. I, I'm shooting the zombies. And, and one zombie gets smart. Clips her ankle, right? She goes flying down. They eat her. I'm like, so I just got a bit of dynamite, threw it down, killed everyone, and then ran away on my horse. 
<laughs> TM Bronx says I'm a fucking heel. <laughs> well, Bronx, come on, man. The Bigfoots are eating children. As a father, I'd shoot him in the head too. But you you shot a a emo bear. How, like you can't shoot you, you can't shoot emo bears. Uh, that's, that's depressing. Well, you know, it was fun while it lasted. Uh, I will say this: upon my travels in the game, uh, some of the some of the best kills that I had were probably in Mexico. I mean, just some of the best stuff you could do was in the Mexico part. Um, you know, I have not I have not killed the chupacabra, but I've come damn close to seeing the damn thing. I mean, like you literally have a limited window of finding that thing. Mm-hmm. And like Tyrant says. The damn Bigfoot was crying, and I just put it out of its misery. It's true. Because you shot its, you shot its family, that, and, that, and that's why it was crying? You turned heel on Bigfoot? I turned heel on Bigfoot. Hey, I've always wanted to kill a Sasquatch and have proof. I finally did. <laughs> I mean, this has been a banner year for me, Crelly. I, I beat The Undertaker, took his WrestleMania streak, and I fucking killed Bigfoot all within about a two-month period. So who's the man? J.J. Sexay is the motherfucking man. No, because you because you didn't beat Ric Flair. Ric Flair's a man. Woo! No, Ric Flair's been beaten by women. That doesn't make him a man. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor you Ric know, Flair. But you know some some of the best things that I did in that game. Do you know the the point where like you'll just be riding around the plains and then you'll fucking hear gunshots and it'll be this <laughs> one lone guy standing there and he'll be like, "Hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come help me take these motherfuckers out for some ammo?" And it's a competition at that point, right? Yeah. And there were a couple of times I lost that competition and had to give my, my stuff over to the guy. And when that happened, I would just fucking cap him and take my, my shit back. <laughs> i just fucking blow his head off and take my shit back. It's like, fuck you. Oh, man, you, you've you got to take the loss fair and square. You can't. Just because just you can't outshoot him, it doesn't mean you can shoot him, shoot him in the head. When you're in the Wild West, there are no rules. It's kill or be killed. Well, I've recently I've not even... Put- uh, I, I've been playing more Black Ops than Red Dead. And on Black Ops, earlier I got the most fantastic kill ever with my Tomahawk. I saw that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> like, the guy, like, like after, after I threw it, I got a spammer going, you effing blah, blah, blah. And I think I was just saying, I win. Smile. <laughs> it was a fun kill. That's pretty also, cool. Also, go ahead. I Also, I had a rumor today. I, I was searching over game to... Bu- to uh to uh, cause I was gonna pre order what was it? I was gonna pre order drive driver four um come what it's called and they were and they were advertising um, advertising TNA Impact two did you know this is coming out very soon really mm-hmm. that's a scary thought so I did a bit of research and apparently it's gonna feature it's it's gonna feature the band Deadman Wolf and we'll have um both six sides and four sides of the ring. Oh, wow. I would think that the band would be gone, considering they haven't been there in a while. They took the Band-Aid off, so they're not there. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, but I think when it, I think it would take, I think it would cost Tim more money than it does, sorry, to remove them than it does to put them in the game. So there's a good chance that they might just leave it in there. Interesting. I, I would be surprised if they came out with a sequel, considering that, I guess they're with South Peak Interactive right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading the chat room. TM Bronx says, I wish JJ would come to my house and shoot me in the head. The pain I'm in. 
Oh, the only difference between doing that in real life and on a video game is I go to prison. It depends how many bullets you have in but, that gun. But uh, at this time, I think we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines and uh, take a few phone calls uh, before we wrap the show up. So if you have something you want to talk about here on Unplugged tonight, we're not real game heavy. Like I said, I just want to get through the SmackDown review. Uh, I wanted to have the Lauren Mayhew interview, which big props to you, Crelly, for booking that. But uh, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? Hey, it's just me, Hollywood. Hey, what's up, man? Not much, not much. Been gone for a little bit. Had some really, had a really crazy work schedule over the holidays, so not much. Been moving on. Got a little injured though over the over the holiday weekend, so that was always fun. What happened? Uh, I was walking up the stairs the day before Thanksgiving, uh, in my apartment building, and I was kind of not really paying much attention to where I was going because I was kind of in a hurry and kind of in a rush. I tripped and fell right on the concrete platform on, my, on our steps. On the stairwell, and had a airline fracture on my elbow. Holy shit! That uh, I'm fine. That reminds me of a story that uh, something happened to me back in 2000, and I believe 2001. I used to work for a sign building company, so I used to make the big highway signs and the residential signs and everything. And like I said, I had trained to wrestle back in '98, and I did that for about six, seven, eight months. I had a few matches, wasn't that good, and then just started doing ring announcing and whatnot. Well, the funny thing is, working for this company, we were loading a a semi-trailer one time on the dock, and I literally lost my footing while I was inside of of the trailer. So as I'm standing on the edge, I lose my footing and start to go face first from the back of the truck to the... Uh, to the asphalt road <laughs> down below me, right? Yeah. Coolest story ever. As I fall, I do a fucking flip <laughs> and freaking land on my feet. It was like it was like a swanton roll kind of thing, where I actually uh, did I actually did hit the pavement with my back and rolled onto my feet. And my coworkers were like, "Shut the fuck up!" I'm like, see what wrestling training does for you, people. You know how to bump. You know how to fall. I did a little like martial arts back when I was younger, so I kind of learned how to, I knew how to fall a little bit. They kind of taught you how to fall, and if you, you know if you're gonna fall, how to go. Because so. you, you know what, if I hadn't done that, I would have probably busted every tooth out of my face, and I'd been fucked up. So definitely some kind of like sports training, like martial arts or wrestling training or something that always kind of helps. Self preservation. <laughs> yep. But uh, I'm not. It's actually gotten better. I mean, it was a lot worse. It's getting. I had this is like my third. Uh, Fractured, uh, fractured bone. So I'm used to the pain by now. Well, that sucks, man. Pain sucks, man. I don't, I don't want anybody to hurt. I don't oh. want you to hurt. I want Bronx I, to hurt. Don't want my wife to hurt. Everybody hurts. The, the first one I got when I was when I was like uh, with my ex girlfriend at the time, and she kind of felt we were she's kind of horse around me. I did not feel good, and she was bouncing on my stomach. She was just sitting there plopped on my stomach, and I had to get her off because I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and she, when she fell back, she fell back right on the pinky, and it just broke. I mean, it just all her weight just came right on it, and it's like, ah, I'm just used to it by now. I, I, I mean, if you ever been me, I have. I'm always banged up. I have scars, bangs, bumps, bruises. I'm so used to it. It's you know, just natural for me. You know, I'm 36 years old, and I have never broken a bone in my body, ever. It, it's 
it doesn't hurt as much. I mean, if you, if you just have a fracture, it doesn't hurt as much as you think. It's just, it's just tender. That's all it is. It's just tender. You just can't bump nothing. You can't touch the surface with nothing. Otherwise, you're going to, I mean, that's all you get out of it. But, but other than that, not much has been really going on. I've just been busy working. Haven't, uh, I mean, I kind of, I'm not chatting much, but I haven't really been talking to much because I've been, uh, my work schedule just got screwed up, so. I've been sleeping, you know, when WML comes on, so, I mean, I care a little bit, but I kind of kind of fade in and out, like, huh? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the good thing is uh, the archives are always there for you. Yeah, I did, I did, I figured, you know, I'm back, I got time tonight, and, you know, I'm up and around, and work schedule's back to normal, sleep schedule's back to normal, so, I forgot to check in and say what's up. Cool, man, it's good to hear from you. Yeah. Sorry about MVP, that kind of sucked, I mean, they really... I don't know what it is with WWE. They always move the ball on good talent. I mean, yeah, he had a criminal record, but still, they could turn that into a good. They could turn that into a feel-good story. Well, and uh, I, I, I think for the most part they did, but at the same time, like I said, it's one thing to employ a guy uh, that it's a former convicted felon. It's another to put your world championship on him. I mean, it happened with Booker T, but at that at that point, Booker T had been a five-time WCW champion anyway, so. By the time yeah. they put that world championship on Booker, he was pretty much winding down anyway. I mean, he left the company in 2007, and I think he got the title. He finally got a world championship in WWE around 2006. Like 2006, 2007. Yeah, so he was there about a year as champ. A, I think it was about a year before he left. Right. So, yeah, I he mean. King Booker. King Booker, <laughs> King Booker, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Sunday Night Showdown, or actually it was even, I believe it was Wrestle Talk Radio at the time. I was the biggest King Booker mark on the planet. We used to have fun with King Booker. I would literally make those other bozos fucking stand up and put their pinkies in the air. I had I fun like, with Booker. I was used to like, I used to listen to and just love to live, like, you know, just like, love to hate those guys. They always, you know, we always do a good job, so. I used to do the, the William Regal, all hail King Booker. All hail King Booker! I I loved King Booker. I thought that was the best gimmick he ever had. It was just sad to see that one go. Yeah, you know the other thing I kind of noticed Monday night. I don't know. Maybe you just might disagree with this, but I feel like the uh, Daniel Bryan Alberto Del Rio match should have been the second second round, but that should not have been the first match out. Oh, I disagree. I thought it was I thought it was perfect for the first round because you got to see a fantastic first round match. And honestly, you, you really didn't want to see, uh, as much as I like Daniel Bryan, it didn't really hurt him to lose to uh, to Del Rio in the first round, you know, with him doing the suicide dive to the outside and, you know, hitting his shoulder on the on the uh, the ring barrier or the, the, the fan barrier. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I mean. Well, it, I think they still could have done, like, a, like a great good, good second round match. I just would have made that match even better because I made it sure that they make it so they you want it more when you know actually get to the finals. That's just my take on that. You know. Well, you know, I'm I'm disappointed not because my uh, well let me let me clarify this fantasy booking here, folks. Uh, I was disappointed that John Morrison did not end up winning the King of the Ring. I didn't think Sheamus needed it, but I mean they brought it back for one reason and one reason only, and that was to obviously put it on Sheamus and let him start up a feud with Triple H, which they didn't need to do considering that Sheamus is the one that put him out in the first place, you would think that it was basically something that was going to happen when Triple H came back anyway. They just wanted to put a little more emphasis on it and make it a king of the ring kind of thing. 
you know, where Sheamus is now king, and of course Triple H is the former king of kings. I mean, it's okay to have Sheamus as the king. I don't mind it. I think it would have made more sense to put it on Morrison. He needed the push a lot more than a guy like Sheamus. I mean, Sheamus is already a two-time champion. You know, granted, he was stuck in that feud with Santino and, and Morrison, but then he came out of that feud. So I don't know. I just it, to me, it makes more sense. Uh, with Orton now injured, I'd, I'd almost say that Morrison is going to end up getting the title shot against Miz at TLC. But I would have liked to have seen that match at the Rumble, to be honest. Morrison wow. and Miz for the championship. I don't see Miz losing that belt anytime soon, but it'd be nice to give that kid a main event push going after the Miz. I think he does too, but a lot of people don't like his work style. And there's just, you know, supposedly the IWC is just, you know, uh, latched on to John Morrison because we think, you know, he's awesome when, you know, other insiders out there seem to think that he can't work. So I, it is what it is. He was trained by the WWE. Anything he does, it was something that they trained him to do. So I just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't understand people who just have nothing else to do but bitch, bitch, bitch about the way some guy works because he was trained by a company that he works for. I'll never understand that's that. Un- that's unfortunately become a, like, a, I, don't know, I don't even think it's America, but that's just become a lot of the world's pastime anymore is bitching. I mean, that's the that's past baseball. Baseball, I mean, it's bitching. That's true. But you, but you talk about fantasy booking. I know you guys are talking about like Matt, Matt Striker being hot water. You would know, be a great pay-per-view team, announce team, having like someone like Jim Ross, Joey Styles and Dusty Rhodes. That would be an awesome like announced team. So you think Joey Styles, Jim Ross, and Dusty Rhodes? Yeah, because if you look back at like the uh, WCW, WCW stuff back in the nineties, Dusty Rhodes did the pay per view so, stuff. So, so now hold on a second. In, in other words, this is what we would essentially be getting. Welcome everybody to the pay per view. I am the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and sitting uh, by me, of course, uh, a good old Jr. And uh, Joey Styles, Joey, what do you got to say? Oh my God, they, uh, how, how you doing tonight? By God, he's been broken in half. He's been broken in half. He's got a family, damn it. He's got a family. You you want that three man announced team? Really? <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, just, just think about you know just just think about them just doing the announcing. Just you know the way they're doing. It. I mean, you have something from every three companies. You have something from WWE. Oh my goodness, he's gone under the ring. The plunder's coming out, ladies and gentlemen. He's got the table and the chair. Oh my goodness. Oh my he's gonna hit him upside the head with a chair. Oh my god. He's got a family, damn it. He's got a family. Uh, I just thought that would just be kind of funny, just you know, since you have something from all three of those you know, from all three of those companies that just coming together in one announced team. Just even on fever, that would just be that would just be great. Shit, why don't we just add Macho Man into the mix and make it a four man commentary? <laughs> diddle diddle, oh, yeah, he's on the ladder, he's gonna put him through the table. Oh yeah, dig it. Oh, that would be uh, that'd be some crazy shit right there. Oh, that would be. So, is, is there anything else, my friend? Before I kind of wrap things ah, up, that's it. That's it. I just thought I'd check up with you. <laughs> I can't believe you want that crazy ass announced team. That'd be crazy, man. I think. I think. Well, it'd be crazy. But it'd be great, though. I mean, you know, just like I said, you know, because you have like you know, Dusty Rhodes is announced, but uh, AJ. I mean, just AJ, but Joey Styles is announced, and Joe Jim Ross is announced. They'll have you know, like legitimate, you know, time behind the, behind that mic. So, I think that'd be it's great. No, I hear you. I hear you. All right, brother. Well, thank. Have you very cold? Oh, my man! Oh, my He's my buddy. He's my buddy. I hear you, man. Well, thanks for the call. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, Hollywood. Take it easy, bro.
All right. Well, that said, I think we're going to wrap things up. Wrap things up as my voice is slowly going away from me. Damn you, Dusty Rhodes and Jim Ross, Joey Styles. I don't know, man. That, that that's that's got a ring to it. What do you think, Crelly? I think that would take away the attention of the fans, or sorry, or the TV TV audience, because they'd be more interested, more interested in the announcing than the action. Oh, absolutely. Like if you have something like that's kind of like the whole woman with NXT. You you had Co and uh, Matthews not caring about the action. And when the announced team starts being bigger than the action or more interesting than the action, fans don't care about the action, they care about the announced team. And the whole point of the announced team is to put over the action. That is true. That is true. It would, it would distract quite a bit. So whilst it would be a good team, I don't think those three could work together just because they would, they would have such a big like, reaction from the crowd. The crowd would really care more about them than the action itself. Oh, man. It would be absolutely crazy. It would be. I don't think it's plausible. Maybe five years ago it would be implausible. But now since Dusty Rhodes, you don't understand what he's saying half the time. Well, Dusty, you know, I, I could see maybe Dusty and JR. I mean, I don't know. I think Joey says he's completely done uh, with play-by-play commentary. And if that's the case, then, you know, good for him. It's not an easy thing to do. I, I say screw it, and we, we just have the whole Rhodes family. We we have Dustin Cody Rhodes on the announced team, Goldust and Dustin. Like like the whole match, you you'll just have Cody Rhodes giving out grooming tips. Right. And Goldust going uh, 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 head 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 headlock, and then Dusty Rhodes doing whatever he does. True that. True that. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. I believe I actually do have a call coming in before we wrap things up. Welcome to Unplugged. Who's this? What's up, JJ? It's is the former sensational Sean. I thought I might give a call in since I just finished a game of Call of Duty Black Ops and uh, got a few things on the mind. So I thought I might pull the soapbox out of the, the closet if I might have the chance. Oh, uh, you're bringing the soapbox out. All right, what's on your mind? Uh, well, number one, a uh, few days ago you posted something on Facebook that kind of hit me, and uh, it kind of hit me pretty hard. Uh, you said something about... Uh, Think to the effect of, don't let other people see this. Think that uh, I, they may think that I think that video games is real or something. And that hit me all of a sudden because I remember somebody else saying at one point, video games are just for losers and freaks and just people who eat Cheetos and drink Mountain Dew or whatever. Um, and that hit me all of a sudden. As soon as I heard that, I was kind of like, so wait, all these Marines who are coming in my, my GameStop are all freaks and losers and eat Cheetos and drink Mandu? Really? Yeah, apparently and, America's fighting force are all losers. There you go. Yeah, and I mean, we're, it's not even just us. It's all the other military bases have GameStop. So apparently every single military force out there are losers, freaks, and eat Cheetos and drink Mandu. And if those people really think that, then they need to just slap themselves across the face and apologize basically to America as is. It just completely destroyed me when I thought about this. And I even went to work with this mentality as like, is this really how it goes? And I was speaking to some Marines about this, and they just looked at me and said, if we ever see these guys in person, we will punch them in the face. And I said, I I wish you would. I wish I could point you right right to where they are. You see, Trey brings up some very good points. You know, he has this saying that he likes to bring out every so often. You can't fix stupid. 
And the problem in this day and time is that everybody and their mother has a radio show. Not everybody can do radio. It's something that you learn to do. Hell, I wasn't that good at it when I started. I still don't think I'm that great. But I've been in it seven, eight years now. And I'd like to think that I've evolved. And I've gotten better as time has gone on. You don't become a, an instant star. If you're in it to be a star, you're in it for the wrong reasons. I'm a fan just like everybody else listening to this show. I just happen to have a microphone, a mixing board, and a stream. And I give my opinions and my thoughts on things. But there's a lot of people out there that want to be a star, that want to be a rock star, that think that they're somebody. And that's what they do. They profess to talk about things that they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, and I, it kind of hit me. I Just tonight playing with my, my, my guys on, on Xbox Live, it kind of hit me, and I started thinking about it as the show was progressing. I mean, great interview with Lauren Mayhew. I mean, everything that's gone on tonight has been really good. And it's just all these other shows are going on tonight that are going to be the worst shows probably to hit the Internet. I mean... I'm sorry to say it like that, but they probably are, and it's just the fact that these people are just pretty much the worst people out there uh, to date, it seems. And I just kind of wish that they'd go look in the mirror and say, okay, this is who I am. Uh, maybe I just need to go somewhere else. And it's just coming to the fact that I don't even want to deal with half the people now because I don't, I don't want to hear what they got to say. I don't want to see them. And in all honesty, I just don't even care about them anymore. If they were laying in the street, I'd walk right past them. It's just the one point I'm just getting really ticked off about it. And, you know, I really hope that they issue an apology to the, at least the United States fighting force, because if they don't, then we real I really have lost faith in a lot of the a lot of America because these guys are just complete idiots. Well, it's like to take this back to the original point, people saying that people saying that we take games too seriously, right? Be it wrestling, gaming, whatever, you always have people that are negative towards it. They have this pre mindset. Games are stupid. Games are stupid. They don't see what we enjoy in games. Same with wrestling. Pe- people will hate wrestling because it's fake, it's scripted, shit, la la la. We enjoy it because it, it it gives us entertainment, but they don't see it because they just don't like it. Be it wrestling or video games, they they always be haters, and they they can hate. They let them hate, but. I don't see why their opinion should affect what I think of wrestling or, or video gaming. It, most of the time, it doesn't. It just, it just makes me realize these are the people that are living these days. And I know America's gone to shit in a handbasket after a lot of the problems. And these are the people who are really out there making it that way. It seems like all these political people with these political talk shows. No offense to Andy Knowles. Hope you're doing great, brother. Um, it's just everything out. I mean, so I just really wish that things would get to where they were better. And yes, Trey, there was a Cheetos and Mountain Dew reference. I did bring it out. Well, you know, I just want to say this. We got the Christmas holidays coming up and, you know, I'm tired of the constant bullshit, you know, that, that Trey and I get on a weekly basis from people. I'm not out to have a fucking flame war with anybody. I've said my piece. I've moved on. I don't need to continue to fucking fan the flames of shit. Like, you know what? I'm in a much better place now than I was a year ago. 
We'll leave it at that. And I don't wish anybody any ill will. But at some mm. point, it's got to stop, people. It really does. Stop the hate. TNA has a video out. Stop hating. Stop hating because you just ain't as good. You know, if, if TNA does one thing right, it's the stop the hate video. Yeah, just kind of wish that everybody would feel the same way. Well, again, you can't fix stupid, my friend. You can't fix stupid. So on that note, I think uh, it's time we ended the show. I have a wife to go uh, hang out with now that she's back full time. So with that said, I want to thank everyone who was uh, involved with the show tonight. I want to thank Trey, obviously Chris Kelly from HeadlocksToHeadlines.com. And everybody give Crelly a round of applause for booking Lauren Mayhew. I mean, he has been working his ass off uh, trying to get guests for not only this show, but for Wrestling News Live. Uh, unfortunately, we did have one fall through with Luke Gallows. But Crelly has got to be one of the hardest working guys behind the scenes. Good job, Crelly. Good job. I won't Good job, need man. An- Thank you. Yeah, I do have a few interviews lined up. Can't say who because I, 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 I don't want it to fall through. But I have one or two interviews lined up, one for WNL and one for Unplugged. In a few weeks, you should see who they are. Very cool. On that note, I think it's uh, it's time to wrap things up. From the Lauren uh, Mayhew interview, I did say we we're going to basically go out with a song of the night. This is a Buckle Up uh, from Lauren Mayhew. I believe it's off one of her older albums. I'm JJ Sexay, and you've just been unplugged.